definitely some ups and downs, being cut from teams, not making teams mm. that I really wanted to be on. Mm-hmm. But it's just all for the better. The one team that that I really wanted to be on my sophomore year, the varsity Ponell team, was probably mm-hmm. one of the best teams ever. Okay. I mean, they had all Americans and Olympians on it, and I got cut. And a lot of my class, <laughs> some of my classmates made it. And in the end, Peter Balding was the coach. So it's funny because I surf with Peter, and <laughs> to this day. I always bring it up. Why'd you cut me, man? You shouldn't have cut me. And he goes, Alika, it was for the better. And he's right. I mean, it was for the better. It just made me work harder mm-hmm. and become hungrier. And as far as a journey, made me stronger. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's probably one of the better things that happened to me as far as life challenges and sports challenges. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I'll always remember that. Welcome to the HNL Movement Podcast, where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities, sports, and life. Join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals, colleagues, clients, and you with one goal in mind, how to optimize human performance. This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Welcome back, everyone, to the HNL Movement Podcast. And this week we have a very, very uh, well-known guest here in the community and does a lot of coaching. He comes from a very big volleyball family and volleyball background, and he played at University of California at Santa Barbara. And following that, he had a few years, four years in the AVP on the AVP tour. And he is well known for all of the sand coaching and training, um, beach volleyball that he does with a lot of the high level players that come out of Hawaii, but also a lot of the younger generation of the upcoming players that are going on to play beach in college or just recreationally. So let's welcome a very good friend, Mr. Alika Williams. All right. How's it going? It's going good. Happy to be here. Uh, so how's everything how's everything been because as we all know there's been a lot of shutdowns a lot of changes in these uh, restrictions and recommendations and you know you can't do your normal lessons and training volume so how has that been over the summer and even coming into the fall uh actually in the summer it was very busy my my training kind of kept on going i was outside smaller group setting on like indoors where you have a big team with a bunch of people so it was one of my busy or probably my busiest summer ever a lot of kids were home they usually travel for their indoor competitions mainland competitions that all went away they had no other avenues as far as touching the ball and training so guess who they called Called so it was a busy summer Mm -hmm. but that being said I was shut down for a while as well so Mm -hmm. it's been up and down yes and it's not only all these kids coming home to play and you know finding a place to train but it's also trying to keep them in shape because everything's on hold right indoor but before we get into all of that let's go into your background because you have a very interesting story too and you come from a very big volleyball family yes and why don't you start start with that what was your childhood like and when did you find the passion for volleyball? <laughs> uh, whew, this is a long story, but um, we'll start from the beginning. I'm actually from Hilo, of all places. Mm-hmm. My father's from Hilo, so we were over there. I spent my childhood there. I was there basically through, throughout the, all the 80s. And unbeknownst to me in that time, on, here on Oahu, which is where my mom's from, my mom is part, from the Crab family, mm-hmm. her brothers were big-time volleyball players. Mm-hmm. And again, back in the 80s, you know, I kind of get bits and pieces of it about their coaching and playing careers. But in 1989, which is going into my ninth grade year, I got into Punahou School. Um, And I had grown up not really playing volleyball. My parents played tennis. My older sister, very good tennis player. So I kind of just followed suit on the Big Island. Mm -hmm. And I was very involved with tennis. I wasn't very good at it, though. I think it wasn't my calling. Put in a lot of time had some success but um it just wasn't for me so i got into punahou school and fortunately my uncle chris crab took me in because mm-hmm. punahou didn't have boarding there's no dorms mm-hmm. I, I needed somewhere to live so my mom's brother and his wife chris and paula crab took me in so when i showed up here on oahu i just kind of got this whole you know this whole immersed into volleyball. yeah like yeah. immersed into it you know i got a mm-hmm. taste of all this my uncles were players. 
Um, they all they played down at the Outer Canoe Club and also getting into Punao, which, as you know, is a huge mm-hmm. boys volleyball uh, factory, basically. <laughs> so I showed up here in the late 80s, which was kind of the heyday for all that. There was all these great Outrigger men's players and all these mm-hmm. Punahou Outrigger guys that were coming up through the ranks. I mean, I showed up and next thing you know, I'm playing with these all these future Olympians. You know, <laughs> it was kind of like the heyday of all of it. The older guys were coming home still. Nowadays, we have a, still have a great group of Outrigger products mm-hmm. and Punahou products, but a lot of them stay on the mainland and, or go to Europe mm-hmm. and play professionally. Mm-hmm. So they, they don't come home. But I think back then, these great players mm-hmm. would come home and just start their nine to five jobs Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. And then they were just weekend warriors on the weekends playing down at the Outrigger, playing down in Waikiki. So right when I showed up, that was, you know, that was, that was happening. So I got a taste of all this, and that's when I realized volleyball was the sport for me. So, and again, I have all these cousins that played, and aunties, and uncles, and mm-hmm. I mean, the list goes on and on. So like you said, I was just immersed into it, put into it, mm-hmm. and that was the beginning of all this. Before ninth grade, <clears throat> did you ever play volleyball for fun or anything? or? You know, I, I mm-hmm. kind of had played a little bit mm-hmm. over there. There was a, a group of men over there that... I was able to kind of start playing with. Um, they were they let me kind of enter their games, but there was no kids playing. It was just a little taste of it. So like I said, when I showed up here, it was just like the floodgates opened. <laughs> My uncle Tony, in 1984, he was the assistant coach for the mm-hmm. men's Olympic team. So they had been living in San Diego, him and his family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had traveled up there a little bit kind of got a little exposure to that. But I, I kind of remember my mom saying, hey, I'm going to go up to L.A. this weekend and watch Tony, yeah. you know, be in the Olympics. <laughs> and, and there's no Internet. You know, there's no there was no social media. Mm-hmm. You maybe heard of bits and pieces on the news or in the newspaper. But after the fact, you know, they won the gold medal. It was the first time the U.S. won. And it was kind of like, whoa, this is this volleyball thing is kind of cool. Yeah. And then he came home and he was the assistant coach at UH. Mm-hmm. And they, they were on TV, so you'd see, you know, the UH men were on TV, you mm-hmm. could see it in Hilo. So that kind of exposure gave me a little taste of it. And I was kind of like, oh, this volleyball thing. And then I was fortunate enough to get into Punahou and make that move over here. And again, once I got here, it was just kind of like, okay, you know, <laughs> this, is, this is the way to go here. Yes, so yeah. I mean, when you, when you got here to Punahou ninth grade, you know, yeah. obviously there's a lot of people playing volleyball around you a lot of high level talent you know not only at Punahou but above and beyond yeah and for you it was probably just being like thrown into the fire yeah so during that time were there were there certain people that really helped you or shaped you as a volleyball uh, player growing through your career yeah there were when I got here that summer of 89 the class of 89 at Punahou had a really strong group of guys their their boys team had won the states mm-hmm. And my sister at the time was dating a guy on the team. His name was Kanoa Oshram, who lives in Seattle now. Mm-hmm. And it was nice because I showed up here. I was kind of like the young brother, mm-hmm. my sister's boyfriend. And he and that group of guys who all went on to play, Lee Legrand, Kanoa Oshram, mm-hmm. Stevie Lee, all these guys all were playing. They were all off to college that summer. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, I'm here and I'm watching them come back and play UH, win national championships. And you know, there's just I think with volleyball, there's a it's it's a small world. Mm-hmm. It's a real small community. Even though you're, you know, if you play basketball, I don't know how good a chance you would to be playing with all Americans. And <laughs> yeah. you know, it's it's such a bigger sports world. But it's like a fraternity. And the Outrigger and Pono has mm-hmm. such strong fraternity of great players that from you know the oldest guys down to the youngest everybody kind of knows each other and Mm -hmm. there's kind of this pecking order where you always want to beat the older guys (laughs) but at the same time a lot of them are real welcoming and mentor you know they're like mentors so they kind of bring you in and that group of guys a little ahead of me were real you know real welcoming and then that kind of triggered it Mm -hmm. as far as getting in with the guys a year below them and a year below them and even guys older than them. But it just kind of set off this whole network that I became a part of. And Mm -hmm. it's pretty amazing to see, you know, from the old, like my uncles down to now their, you know, their sons and their grandsons Mm -hmm. and all these guys that are just in this whole fraternity of players that, and everybody knows each other. A lot of people, a lot of us are related to each other. Mm -hmm. So it's been a, it's been a really cool 
history, I guess, and you know, thing to be a part of. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing what what this small little volleyball world is, and you know, my wife. I, I wouldn't have met my wife if it wasn't for volleyball. I met mm-hmm. her from playing volleyball. Mm-hmm. Now I have three kids, and like I was telling you earlier before we got on, my son is now starting to play, and it's mm-hmm. that next generation, right? It's just yeah. going to keep on going. Yeah. It, things have changed a little bit, though. Like I said, a lot of guys now are staying on the mainland. So there, ha- it's kind of sad to see because a lot of these guys I was good friends with are now on the mainland because they mm-hmm. kept on playing volleyball mm-hmm. and they meet their wives or they start having kids or they get other jobs after volleyball ends and they don't end up coming home. So I think back when I first showed up here, it was more common for these great players to just you know, win their national championship and be an All-American in college and then just come home and play for the Outrigger, play on the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has changed some, but there still is that generational thing that yes. I hope to see keep going. I, mm-hmm. I, the Outrigger was very good to me. Um, and now my son is playing, so yeah, hopefully that history can and, continue. Yeah, and exactly yeah. like what you said, the... It's almost like the bloodliner from generation to generation. There's so many good volleyball players. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable when we talked to Kupono, you know, a few episodes ago. It was saying how how what's the chances of having three Olympians yeah. at the same time? Yep. You know, from Hawaii, this small little state. So it just shows that everyone helping out each other, helping out the next generation in volleyball. It's such a big sport here. Yeah. I mean, even when you go to the UH Games, right? University of Hawaii Games. I mean, you can see that there's always some kind of connection that drives some of these players to play for UH, right? And it's, yep. it becomes this special experience because, you know, in the across the U.S., I don't know if volleyball is as big, I would say, or if there's as many fans, you know, in the yeah. small area. But for sure, in Hawaii, it's something special and something a big part of the community. Yeah, I actually listened to Kapono's podcast with, with you, which was great. And he mentioned the three Olympians, but he also didn't mention, not that I'm a beach mm-hmm. guy, but if there was a Tokyo Olympics this summer, mm-hmm. I mean, Trevor, Taylor, and Triborn, yes, there would have been, uh, let's see, two teams, that's four guys, and there are six guys battling for those spots. Mm-hmm. So at least one of them would have gone, right? Yeah. And that's in a spot for four guys. <laughs> yes. Could have been three of the four if yes. it all, you know, the qualification process happened. But mm-hmm. hopefully it happens next year and mm-hmm. those guys are all right there. I mean, they're yes. right on the cusp of all qualifying. So imagine that if we had all those guys on the indoor and the and guys on beach. the beach for that number of slots. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's it's pretty it's, crazy. It's crazy, yeah, yeah, to think of. And one other thing I wanted to mention, um, mm-hmm. You know, that mentorship and that history, it, it's really strong. It's funny, right? I'm in this surf group. This stand, mm-hmm. We go stand-up surfing every Saturday morning. You know, it's like a it's a group of us and whether, you know, rain or shine. And the, the four guys who started it, they're all much older than me. It's Peter Balding, who coached at Puno for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter, he played at Pepperdine. Peter Ehrman, who played at UCLA, who's All-American. Alan Lau, who played at Santa Barbara. And Dave Shoji, as you all know, is the ex Wahine coach. Mm-hmm. So these four guys started this group. The four of them go surfing every Saturday, and there I was lucky enough to be invited into it. So mm-hmm. what a privilege, you know, for me to go with these guys. And people always ask me, "How did you get in this group?" And I, it's just kind of that mentorship, mm-hmm. right? They, Dave coached them. These guys kind of coached me when I was younger, and mm-hmm. now it's this this thing that I yeah. don't think it happens very often anywhere else. So just really cool history and fraternity and yes yeah and definitely yeah. yeah yeah so before we get into your college career and your professional career yeah going through high school i mean starting really starting to play seriously getting mentored by all of these people as a freshman right was there well what was it like playing at puna hole for one and was there a time when it clicked that yeah i'm gonna try play or i can play at the next level <laughs> what was that for you well I think a lot of it with me is always being undersized mm-hmm. and unlooked. Um, I didn't get a lot of recruit uh, attention. I wasn't very heavily recruited. I mean, my my journey had lots of ups and downs. Mm-hmm. When I first got to Puno, I was kind of like, hey, let's do this. Like, again, I kind of didn't realize the history. I was kind of getting pieces of it. I mean, I moved here in ju- June because I had to go to summer school. Mm-hmm. And then school in the season, which was, was in the fall, started in basically the end of August. Mm-hmm. 
So I was only here for a couple months and walked into the Punahou gym and there's this tryout and all these guys and, you know, the guys who were seniors were really good, but I wasn't like, hey, you know, these guys are way above me, right? Mm-hmm. And again, a lot of these guys were Olympians in the gym or future <laughs> yeah. Olympians. Yeah, future I mean, you had Sean, uh, sorry, Stein Metzger and Mike Lambert <laughs> and uh, Kevin Wong was in there and these guys all became Olympians, all mm-hmm. Americans. And I kind of competed with them. Obviously, freshman year, I was just on JV, barely made it. Mm-hmm. But I kind of always had this chip on my shoulder. People kind of think I come off as a little <laughs> arrogant, cocky, <laughs> fancy that. Um, but that was just me always wanting to battle. You know, mm-hmm. these guys were getting all this attention and they're going off to these colleges. And you know, I just felt I could compete mm-hmm. and it just made me hungry. And I think to this day, I still have that chip on my shoulder. <laughs> yeah. It just, you know, opened so many doors and uh-huh. here I am. So the journey has been great, but definitely some ups and downs, being cut from teams, not making teams mm-hmm. that I really wanted to be on. Mm-hmm. But it's just all for the better. The one team that, that I really wanted to be on my sophomore year, the varsity Ponelo team was probably mm-hmm. one of the best teams ever. Okay. I mean, they had all Americans and Olympians on it and I got cut and a lot of my class, <laughs> some of my classmates made it. And in the end, Peter Balding was the coach. So it's funny cause I surf with Peter and <laughs> to this day, I always bring it up. Why'd you cut me, man? You shouldn't have cut me. And he goes, Alika, it was for the better. And he's right. I mean, it was for the better. It just made me work harder mm-hmm. and become hungrier. And as far as a journey, made me stronger. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's probably one of the better things that happened to me as far as life challenges and sports challenges. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I'll always remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any, you know, because I'm sure that there's a lot of young athletes listening to this too, right? That yeah. Just because you get you don't make a certain team or you're not quite where you need to be at that point in time, right? Yeah. Was there anything that you really did to help you succeed the years to come? Because you had a long career too. So was there anything that you refocused on or really got you to say, hey, I'm going to work harder instead of just give up volleyball completely? Yeah, I again, with me, I don't, something, I don't get something I want, then it just fuels mm-hmm. the fire more. Mm-hmm. And again, that chip and that undersized and just kind of get after it and just keep working hard. I think that's Mm -hmm. obviously the message that came out of it. And that's what I'd relay to all these kids that are in that same kind of same boat as me where they got to just battle and battle and Mm -hmm. grovel. And there's always going to be bigger, taller guys or girls that Mm -hmm. are going to get the looks and they're going to get the recruitment. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to get recruited. Um, and it's just a constant battle. Mm-hmm. It just never ends. Yes. Got to just keep battling. And oftentimes, the ones that are recruited and bigger and stronger, in my opinion, kind of fall by the wayside. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think I think Hawaii players are a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. We go in, we don't get scholarship money, we get, we're, we're walk-ons, we get under-recruited. Mm-hmm. But in the end, we're the ones that perform. These All these Hawaii guys show up, mm-hmm. they know how to play, mm-hmm. they know how to fight, mm-hmm. they know how to grovel and... I think that's just a huge compliment yeah. to the Hawaii volleyball players. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So after Punahou and everything, you know, so you did play varsity junior senior year. Yep. Right. Yep. How how were those years? Junior year was probably played had a more consistent year. Senior okay. year, I kind of struggled. I I put a lot of pressure on myself. Got it. I didn't have a very good year. In the end, I played well at states. We won states, which was awesome. After junior year, we lost to Kamehameha. We ended the Punahou streak of what, 10 years in a row or something. Uh-huh. So that's another hard one to swallow. I mean, like I said, there's all these ups and downs, man. <laughs> yeah. I made VARS, I was starting. We got to go to Hilo of all places and play states there, which was cool because it's mm-hmm. back to my hometown. Mm-hmm. But we lost. Mm-hmm. We ended the streak. Kamehameha had a great team, probably the best Kamehameha team, in my opinion, they ever had. Mm-hmm. Stu Chong was on it. He, he set Stanford to a national championship. Mm-hmm. A couple other really good players that were on that team. and. We beat them in ILH, then we went to Hilo and we lost. Mm-hmm. So that was tough. Mm-hmm. Senior year rolled around, put a lot of pressure on myself. Didn't have the greatest regular season. You know, fought hard to mm-hmm. start for states. We won, which was great. Again, I wasn't that recruited and that's where my next journey goes. I mean, I went to, my grades weren't very good, which I advise every child, <laughs> every kid study hard because it goes, <laughs> A long, long way. Yes. Um, I got into San Diego State, okay. which had a very mediocre program at the time. Okay. 
So I tried to walk on and I got cut. Okay. Didn't make San Diego State. So I knew I wanted to play volleyball. I said, okay, I got to get out of here. So I came home and I played at UH just for a little bit mm-hmm. on Mike Wilton's team. Um, a great team. They ended up going to the final four. Um, I played on it for a little while and then I kind of got the bug again. Like, hey, I don't know if this is the right place for me. And that's when I circled back to California. I, I, I was lucky to get in a, to UCSB. Yeah. So I transferred back to the mainland. Quit UH, went back to the mainland. You know, played some at Santa Barbara, played my senior year. But again, I wasn't by any means, you know, all American or anything. And just more challenges. Mm-hmm. The journey continues. And then I decided to go for it on the beach. And then I got on the beach tour and... That's kind of the high school and college, and college journey yeah. for myself, which again, up and down. Yes. You know. And those things probably really helped you a lot when you look back on yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yes. they, they <clears throat> helped help me with life and mm-hmm. challenges. Mm-hmm. And was, was beach always something that you had in the back of your mind? Or? Yeah, for sure. I yeah. mean, just my body type. Mm-hmm. I'm a smaller player, mm-hmm. indoor as a, I'm only 5'11". That's only going to take you so far. Even back then, mm-hmm. guys are monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, just fought as hard as I could in the indoor, but obviously beach was a better avenue for mm-hmm. my body type and my mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, I think on the beach with just two, one other person, mm-hmm. it's kind of, I don't know if I should say it, it's balls to the wall, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, let's go. You know, yeah. in indoor, you can kind of fade in and out. You can kind of hide yourself with, with five other people. Mm-hmm. If you really don't want to play, you can play really bad and you'll get you'll be put on the bench, right? <laughs> it's not the case in beach. There's no bench. Mm-hmm. If you win, you keep going. If you lose, you're out. So you got to, you know, you got to get after it. Yeah. yeah. It's Was it's, that something that you were playing to keep in shape or something during the off season? Definitely. That was got my it. thing. It was, the the success I had even in college, I'd come home in the summers. Mhm and play in these local beach tournaments mm-hmm. and I had a lot of success. I was playing these these men, mm-hmm. these older guys who played a lot and I played with Stevie Lee who he's about five years older than me. He was home from college. He played at SC and he, another mentor, took me under his wing. He took the risk. It's kind of the, the pecking order for mm-hmm. the partnerships mm-hmm. and he took that risk and picked up me, the young guy, and we had a lot of success, success locally mm-hmm. on the, the men's open tournaments and we won a lot in those kind of three, four summers there uh, when I was in college. Got it. That was kind of my, my segue into trying to, deciding to get after it on the AVP and try and yes. qualify. Yeah. So on the AVP, what was that experience like? For four years, right? You, four year, About four years. About yeah. four years, yeah. Yeah. It was ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you got to show up every weekend. Yeah. Play, you, here, these local tournaments or non-AVP events, you can kind of let your foot off the gas, certain teams. But on that level, and the AVP was deep. I mean, there was a lot of good guys that were coming out of college. It was kind of the back end of when the AVP was really, really lucrative. So it was still kind of feeding off of that. You know, the, the 90s, 80s, 90s, the AVP was, had gotten really big. Mm-hmm. And at the, at the end of the 90s, end of the 2000s, it kind of slipped as far as prize money, sponsorships. Mm-hmm. But it was still getting those competitive guys playing so the the draw the tournaments are real deep you mm-hmm. have to show up to every match and play i mean if you let your foot off the gas you'd lose yeah so i you know i, I kind of got up to about middle of the pack one of the challenges for me is i always knew i wanted to be in hawaii and when i had a family when the time came and settled down this is where i wanted to be so i kind of never jumped in 100%. When I say 100%, the best thing to do for the AV to play on the AVP in my opinion is to move to Southern California mm-hmm. and just inundate yourself in that lifestyle in that volleyball scene. I mean, it's such a big mm-hmm. fit, a big pond, right? Mm-hmm. And he, you got to train there. It's like surfing on the North Shore. You got to just kind of move there mm-hmm. and get in and get your name out there, find the right partner. So for me, I would go up there in the summers and I'd be thinking, ah, oh, I got to get home. As soon as the season's over in the summer, I want to fly home. Mm-hmm. Whereas I probably should have, from a volleyball standpoint, just stayed there mm-hmm. and just gone all in. Mm-hmm. And maybe I would have gone up further on the, in the rankings. Because there's a lot of guys I beat that ended up going to the Olympics mm-hmm. or winning tournaments. Mm-hmm. I had some, my fair share of success. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I never went to the Olympics. I never won an event. But 
I beat guys who did. That's kind of an indicator that I could hang with the big boys, I think. Mm-hmm. And then just time kind of rolled around and four years, my, my, I got my ranking up to a pretty good spot. And then things started slipping a little bit and I met my wife up there, mm-hmm. but she ended up moving out here, not because of me, she just happened to move out here and we reconnected out here and I was still playing, but leaving her for three months or four months was always hard. Mm-hmm. And I turned 30, it's kind of like, okay, I either got to go all in to the AVP and just go for it and mm-hmm. stay in LA or stay in Southern California or maybe time to move on because the money wasn't very good either. That mm-hmm. was another challenge, right? I'm playing for not much money. Do I really want to make that move? Do I want to end up stuck in California? Like mm-hmm. I said earlier, there's a lot of guys that I played with that are now there raising their families or working mm-hmm. up there. So in that respect, I made my move. I came home and here we are. And, uh, yeah. Now I have my family. I'm raising my kids here. That's that's another thing. I really wanted to raise my, my family. Mm-hmm. My, my kids in Hawaii. Yes. Special place and the water and being in the ocean. Yes. Just, you know, the, the weather and my, uh, the huge family I have. Um, so here we are. Yeah. And yeah. I think most people that are born and raised here, you know, whether that's neighbor islands or on Oahu, yeah. you always want to come and settle down and raise your family here yeah. and everything. So that is something that a lot of people do, you know, have to decide at a certain point what, what exactly. do you want to really I came do. to that kind of fork in the road, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, I have some regrets. I, like I said, I see these guys who I played beat. They're going to the Olympics and winning tournaments. And I don't know if that would have been me, but the was, thought definitely crosses my mind. What was one of the best wins you had on the AVP? Oh, shoot. Um, the first year I was playing, actually, I think it was the second year, 2000, but still kind of groveling through the qualifiers, which mm-hmm. is, you know, you got to play in a qualifier draw. And that was a snake pit in itself. Getting mm-hmm. out of the qualifier was a big deal. So my partner and I, Devin Pullman, he played at Stanford. He was from Santa Barbara. And we, the first event was in Santa Cruz. <laughs> and we played um, Mike Whitmarsh, who won the silver medal in 96. And at okay. that time, he was playing with another guy, David Swadek, who just won the King of the Beach. Okay. That's like the individual tournament for the best guy. And these guys were hot. They were on a streak. Um, and we beat them. We were like probably one of the second or the third lowest seeds in the tournament. And we, we beat those guys. Yeah. It's like, wait, we just <laughs> yeah. beat those guys. They've yeah. been winning tournaments and winning silver medals. Um, so that was kind of, that was one of the top five for sure mm-hmm. wins that I've had. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, Mike Whitmarsh, he passed away, but he was, you know, one of the best player, best blocker probably ever on the AVP or one of them. That was just a, a good a good indicator that yeah. I could hang with these guys. Yeah. 5'11", and these guys are all big dudes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So that yes. was pretty cool. There, there were some fun ones like that. And I'm sure that there's a lot of good memories. I mean, you say there's a lot of ups and downs, but there's probably a lot of good memories yeah. too on top of that. Now... With some of the obstacles, were there ever any major injuries or anything that you had to overcome? You know, it's funny. I I, I was pretty lucky. I didn't. Yeah. My first major injury was the year after I stopped playing on the AVP. Got which it. is interesting. I broke my finger, my pinky. I had gone to a tournament. I got invited to a tournament in England of all places. Mm. Flew back there. Um, a guy I know who had lived in England had gone to this tournament, and he said, "Let's go back." So we were playing in that tournament and I, I went up to block a ball. We were playing these German guys uh, and this German guy, he could hit really hard. And shoot, I should have brought that. I have a picture of it. Photographer caught it on camera, but basically the ball hit the top of my pinky yeah. and it snapped it right in half. Yeah. Um, as you can see, it it's still stuck. Dr. Yes. Sing, Dr. Singer did that. <laughs> Thanks, he, Dr. Singer. He fixed you up, though, yeah. <laughs> As you can see, it's, yeah, yeah good enough. Yeah. still works. But it was weird. I, I had, like, three injuries after I really stopped playing competitively mm. and seriously. Mm-hmm. After, right afterward. I had my, I had my meniscus tear, mm-hmm. my snap pinky, and then I had an accident with a knife. Cut my hand, but those are three major surgeries I had Yes. just after I finished playing. So mm-hmm. I was lucky where... When I was really competing, no real major injuries. I mm-hmm. think I tried to take pretty good care of myself. Yeah. I heard Capono talking earlier in his podcast that I listened to it, and he was talking about stretching. And as you and I both know, when I've come in to see you, Andrew, I'm yes. not the best when it comes to stretching. But I, you know, I trained hard, lifted, yes. ran, 
Uh, canoe paddle on the side, I think, was uh-huh. canoe paddling is a great cross training for, for volleyball mm-hmm. as far as endurance and just strength. So I was lucky. I, I pretty much came out squeaky clean when, yes. I, when I needed to. No, that's good. And I think a lot of it, you know, there's a fine balance with everybody. And I think you definitely put in the time and effort training, you know, staying in condition. Yeah. Because that's a huge facet. Some people, because, you know, you, you can't just say that, okay, I'm just going to work on my mobility and stretch all the time yeah. and don't have adequate conditioning, you're going to be open for all other types of injuries, right? Yeah. Yeah. But vice versa, if you don't have a good balance with training and you're always like super tight, then, you know, that's going to open up for other injuries. But yeah. I think you had a good balance that you were staying active. I think one of the big keys that really helped you a lot that for the listeners listening is just cross training. I think you were doing so many different things that was actually helping you move better and play volleyball yes, better, right? For sure. If you're just playing volleyball year round, then you open up yourself to other kinds of complications. So yep. I think you had a good balance and you know, the mobility stuff, yeah, that's something we're probably still working on to this yeah. day, but that's okay. It's your you're you're functioning, <laughs> you're performing well, you're helping a lot of people. So that's all things to you know, that's a tribute to all of the hard work that you put in before. Yep. So it's interesting to hear your story because I, I didn't even know your yeah. full story. You know, we don't have time to sit down and actually talk about some of these yeah, things. Yeah, you usually just turning that machine on <laughs> and cranking it up. You make like it's torture or something. It's, it's it's all for your own own good, your benefit. I need to get a, get stronger. <laughs> yes. So, you know, coming back to, because you do, you help a lot of volleyball players, not only with the technical side of volleyball, but with everything else to give them the confidence to help them to play at you know the next level yeah. right and if you think about your journey how you said you were you know not recruited as highly as other people being a little bit undersized or having to you know just having to have that grit to keep working hard right yeah is there anything that you took from your experiences that really helped you in coaching or is there anything from you as a volleyball player how has some of that, you know, being undersized and things, how has that made you having to be either, you know, higher volleyball IQ or having to play smarter? Like what, what was your biggest strength, I guess, as a volleyball player? Uh, I think it just goes back to that theme again of these Hawaii players where the undersized and just learning how to survive out there mm-hmm. with what you got. You, I think you just nailed it with that high volleyball IQ. These mm-hmm. Hawaii volleyball players have such high volleyball IQ that that's going to make up for them. They're undersized mm-hmm. and, you know, being in that, being challenged playing against these big boys that they got to go up against um, that, that volleyball IQ is pretty amazing. I mean, you look at Taylor Crab right now, my cousin Taylor, he's, he's my height. He's 5'11". Mm-hmm. He's one of the best players in the world right now mm-hmm. and just undersized, but just, just watch how smooth he is, you know? He just moves that ball around and he knows what, what to do at the right time and what when to do it. Um, I think it just carries over. That undersized part is just so big mm. as far as having to make those adjustments mm. and evolve as a player. Yes. Yeah. Is that something, and we'll go into kind of your philosophy because you do coach a lot of players. Some of them are experienced beach volleyball players, but some of yeah. them are just getting into it for the first time, right? Yeah. So what's kind of your philosophy or approach to work with these players and how do you get them to be you know i mean not exactly you're not going to replicate another beach volleyball player but how do you get them to fit into that mode that you're really smart on the court you really have the skills to compete is there anything about your philosophy or what you focus on that brings that out of them well i think just the model i use itself Mm -hmm. um small group setting lots of attention i think really helps them become better players and get that high volleyball IQ. When I te- I call it a private lesson, whether it's one person or two people or three people or four people, it's a private group lesson or a private one-on-one lesson. And in that small group setting, I'm able to really get specific and break it all down for them. And that's where I think they become that better player. You know, there's a lot of programs where you show up and you have a court that's designated for four people, two on two, Mm -hmm. but you have 10 people in the group. Mm -hmm. So you have six people waiting their turn, whether if that workout's an hour long, half the time you're waiting on the side if you're doing the true two on two Mm -hmm. format that you're supposed to play on the beach. Mm -hmm. So I think 
my model um, that I use, I'll take a group bigger than four, but a four-person setting is, I think, the best, the best format, and I can really get in there and talk to them about all those things that they need to do to improve. Mm-hmm. Different model, different approach than from what a lot of these clubs and these programs are doing. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I'd rather coach a small group setting anyway. It's, mm-hmm. it's more intimate. And get in there and like I said, give them those real fine-tuned tips mm-hmm. in order to bring that volleyball volleyball IQ up. Yes, lots of attention to detail. Yes, and I, yeah. I definitely know that you have a lot of you know you do spend a lot of time instructing and breaking it down for them and everything because on our conversations yeah, outside of this podcast. But let's rewind a little bit. So after the AVP tour, mm-hmm. what did you start Hunakai High Performance right after that, or how did this evolve into where you are now? Well, it's funny because being in Southern California, spending the time there that I did, there's so many courts up and down the coast. So many courts that they're not even all used. You know, Mm. the beach is so wide. The beachgoers are pretty much down by the water, but the beach is probably half a mile wide. So they have all this open space. So my theory is, is when it first all started, what are we going to do with all this extra space here? Let's put up volleyball nets. So my point is, is that very accessible Mm-hmm. Someone comes your way, you're a volleyball guy, and they want their kid trained or they want to learn how to play. Very easy. Just, hey, let's just meet at the beach down in Hermosa or Manhattan or East Beach in Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. We'll just get a net. We'll get a bag of balls. Boom. We'll, we'll, we'll go go forward with it. Mm-hmm. It's not like that here in Hawaii. Yes. The beach is too narrow. There's really are no public courts. I mean, Fort Derussi has a few. Queens has an area, but they're not permanent nets. It's people who bring their own. Mm-hmm. Outrigger has air courts, but obviously it's a private club, so um, you can't just walk in there. So when I came home, I had always been a coach kind of off and on. I coached a lot of indoor high school teams. Mm-hmm. I coached at HPU for a year. I was assistant for their women's team. Came home, um, started kind of moonlighting, coaching. Mm-hmm. I tried to do a couple real jobs after I came <laughs> home from the AVP because I was thinking, well, I can't play volleyball forever. Tried to do a couple real jobs. Didn't have the most success. (laughs) Was coaching on the side. Okay. Um, Was coaching a lot of people at the outrigger. Just kind of under the radar. Picking up people here and there. Um, And then I got kind of got to a point where, God, I really need a court. If I can get a court here in Hawaii on Oahu, it would be great. So fortunately, I approached the Hunakai Park Association, which is Mm -hmm. here in Kahala. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a privately owned park run by the Hunakai Park Association. And I basically proposed to them, hey, if I put a sandbox in here, I'll pay for the cost and I'll teach my lessons here. I get to run the court. I'm mm-hmm. basically the teaching pro at Hunakai Park. Mm-hmm. They approved of it. Um, and here we are today. I have my own private court, which mm-hmm. I get to. The, uh, it's been 11 years now. I was just talking to my friend today. I can't oh. believe it's been 11 years. I opened in 2010. Here I am. I'm still one of the few people on the island that has a court that I can just teach away at and run all my lessons and run my my workouts at this court. So in 2010, right, or maybe it was 2009, right when I was kind of in the process of constructing this court and Mm -hmm. going through with the process, the NCAA had announced we are going to make college beach volleyball or beach volleyball collegiate sport for women. And it's going to start in 2012. So I thought the timing's perfect because mm-hmm. this is only going to grow and grow and grow. Now that it's an opportunity for these girls to go play in college and get more scholarships, this is the time to build this court and start mm-hmm. this service. That's how it began. And along the way, I've decided that I'm going to teach anybody beach volleyball that basically wants to show up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't take kids too young, but basically kids over 12, adults, men, women, boys, girls, if you want to learn how to play beach volleyball and I can fit you in, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to try my best to, yeah. to uh, teach it to you. The unique thing about beach volleyball is it's, it's a lifetime sport. Mm-hmm. The sand itself is very forgiving. Mm-hmm. So it saves your joints. You know, you get sport. Obviously, football pretty much is a college sport and that's the end of it. Mm-hmm. If you play college and you don't play professionally, you don't see 50-year-old guys playing tackle football anymore. <laughs> Even sports like basketball and tennis, great sports, but the hard surface, mm-hmm. hard in the joints. Volleyball, very forgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a great sport because just two on two typically is what they play. Mm-hmm. Lots of action. Great workout. You can get a good workout in in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see my uncle Chris Crabb, he's 
70 something and he's still playing all the time you know his body type and there's a bunch of older guys that still play tons of volleyball southern california you go down there up and down the beach there's a whole bunch of masters playing volleyball mm-hmm. so it's evolved into that mm-hmm. most of my clientele is women or girls because mm-hmm. that's a lot mm-hmm. of the girls are trying to move on to the next level mm-hmm. but it's been really cool to see you know like i said boys girls men women i get i have these women's groups that play on their own and they've learned the game and they love it you know because they get a great workout mm-hmm. and they they get their social time with their friends mm-hmm. it's been really cool to see how it's evolved and i mean especially in hawaii too you know it's it's something that everyone is familiar with here yeah. it's not like a sport that is not too popular right? yeah so it's it and works it's, out very good it's been cool because there's a lot of kids that i've trained <laughs> and then their parents are like wait i want to try this <laughs> yeah so i have multi-generational i've trained people's kids and themselves mm-hmm. so it's been fun to see you know it's like a family family thing too as well mm-hmm. Then you hear about them playing in their backyards amongst themselves and they have, we can actually rally and get the <laughs> yeah. ball, the bump set hit. Yeah. So it's been fun to see it evolve and become what it's become. Yes. Yeah. So since it's it's been almost 11 years or 11 yeah, years now. Yeah, this is my now, 11th year. Yeah. Seeing how, because like you said, in, in 2012, right, that's when it became a collegiate sport for women. Yeah. So seeing you've kind of been here at the right time, right? Yeah. How has training or just the approach to beach volleyball or the competition even how has that evolved through the past decade i think in general it's become a larger entity like i was saying earlier you now have these beach club teams Mm. where you get you know 20 girls and they are playing whether it's the 16s or the 18s but they're a unit they're a group Mm. when they get on the court it's just one girl and her partner against the whole world whether it's their own teammates from their club team Mm -hmm. or girls from other clubs Mm -hmm. because the draw is a draw right it doesn't matter what club you're on Mm -hmm. whatever the draw comes out with you got to play that next team your opponent could like i said could be your your teammate that you train with every week Mm -hmm. or against you could draw them in the draw with your partner Mm -hmm. so that that bigger club format has evolved i know in the main line it's really big um, Do we have that here in Hawaii too? The, uh, Outrigger has a club oh, team and it. Spike and Serve. And now Danny Alvarez, who coached mm-hmm. at UH for a number of years, we have that that um, aspect in our at Hunakai. Mm-hmm. He runs our Hunakai club team. Mm-hmm. So okay. we have a group of girls that go with him a couple times a week. Back to what I like to coach, I like to coach a small group mm-hmm. and I like to just make people better volleyball players. Mm-hmm. So I think that that age-old four-person training group mm-hmm. is real beneficial. Mm-hmm. But obviously, I got to change with the times, right? Mm-hmm. Things have evolved. It, it's nice to offer these kids a club format, kind of club team to be a part of. So, Hunakai, I offer both. Mm-hmm. I have Danny running our club team, and I have me doing the lessons, mm-hmm. the private one on one or private group lessons. Mm-hmm. But I still really enjoy just coaching those small groups. Mm-hmm. My most common number is four, right? I okay. get four kids or four players, and they usually. Or within their own network I get one parent calls hey I want my daughter to come play and I said well the best thing you could do is talk to your daughter pull from her network mm-hmm. whether it's her club indoor teammates or her school teammates mm-hmm. or maybe it's her hula friends or maybe it's her basketball teammates but you create your own group and that way you kind of pick you know that people know who the best fit would be mm-hmm. they have a decent idea so that way they can get the most productive hour out of their mm-hmm. their time with me to create that group that will work best. And I think that makes the kids work better because mm-hmm. they, they're familiar with each other. Sometimes you get the two that like to kind of mess around together, that they're good friends and they convince their parents, hey, we want to train together, we'll go do it. But usually the parents are pretty smart about coming up with a nice group that really works well and they like to just come mm-hmm. weekly and Again, they're just getting reps, whether it's for their next beach tournament or their indoor tournament mm-hmm. or their school match coming up. Because mm-hmm. bottom line is they're getting more touches, more yep. time, more reps. Yeah. I think it's good that you keep it to that small group because, you know, I know you're always busy. Your demand is high. There's always people waiting, right? Yeah. You could easily just take a lot of people. But if the quality is not there, and yeah. it's not what you really want to work on. And you know that uh, they could be doing so much better with some 
you know more individualized time i think that's the that's the key component there yeah that's interesting to hear so you know throughout all the years you've helped a lot of players grow and develop worked with a ton of players what were some of the the players that you helped a lot you know that we've seen kind of grow through their career also what were some of the players that you've really helped to develop that helped them to play at the next level yeah i think it's been um really fun to see kind of going off on your question a little bit but it's been fun to see this new sport which is now eight years old Mm -hmm. in women's college beach volleyball Mm -hmm. grow and evolve one first player that comes to mind is obviously carly Mm khan i mean she's the typical hawaii undersized somewhat under recruited i mean she went to missouri they had a great program but she was not going to penn state or nebraska or stanford Mm -hmm. She started coming to me in high school. I had this group of Punahou girls mm-hmm. that were coming to me. It's right when I pretty much opened Hunakai, I think. And they were hungry, and they won a couple of years. I think they won two or three state championships in high school. Mm-hmm. Taylor Higgins, she said at UH. Um, Julia Lau played up at Dartmouth. Solid, solid group of girls. Um, so Carly was in that group, and I remember her committing to Missouri and I always, I think I always kind of told her like, hey, you should look into this beach thing, right? Mm-hmm. Don't close the door on beach. I mean, what a great story. She was able to milk that system. I mean, she played, I think, six seasons of volleyball mm-hmm. because of her graduating early. She got her four years in an indoor. Mm-hmm. And then Missouri didn't have a beach program. So I'm, I'm trying to recall, but I'm pretty sure she came home to UH for grad school because they had a beach program. Mm-hmm. And she got two years out of it, which is pretty unheard of. I mean, you see a lot of girls play four indoor and then a fifth season on the beach. But because that spring fall separation Mm -hmm. and her graduating early, she got six years out of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, talk about pounding the body and undersized and indoor work in the body, lots of swings. And then just jump, I mean, flying home at Christmas break and jumping in a beach in January, Uh you know, playing a year, a fall of indoor at Missouri and coming home. And playing a whole spring of beach. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was pretty awesome to watch, undersized. And I think she, she went to Europe and played a little pro indoor. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know if she's on the main line now. Do you know where she is, actually? I think she's actually back home. Oh, she's home yep. now. Mm-hmm. So I'm always pushing her to play beach. I, I talked to her <laughs> once in a while. I was I try to follow her. and um, But she was a real, real great player. Still is. So yes. hopefully she can continue on. A cool story, unfortunately for UH, she's left now, I guess, but there's a girl named Julia Scholes who came from North Carolina. She was an indoor player, and I guess she got a, had a couple concussions in indoor. So she got told she can't play indoor anymore. So she went the beach route. And again, North Carolina doesn't have a beach team. And for what she got recruited, tall, you know, strong, real, real big arm. She got recruited by a bunch of beach schools, and she picked UH. And I think it was Danny Alvarez called me because they couldn't work with her. She was, you know, it was the off season and Mm -hmm. NCAA rules. And he said, hey, this girl's getting off the plane. She's never played beach before. I think this is July. It was summertime. She just committed to UH. So she basically got off the plane, got my number, and she showed up at Hunakai. And sure enough, she, two left feet out there. She had no idea what was going on from the beach aspect. Mm -hmm. She could obviously pass and set and hit. But the strategy, positioning, where to go, where to be, that was all new to her. Mm-hmm. But she was able to pretty quickly figure it out. And she ended up playing for UH. I think she played one full season and then she started last season, but then COVID happened. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I guess she's going to, unfortunately for UH, I guess she's transferred to SC mm-hmm. as a grad student. So she's done here. But it was pretty cool to go down to Waikiki and see her in that first event before COVID, mm-hmm. which is prime time. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool to see her playing at the level she was playing at. Yep. And um, I don't know if I should get any credit for it, but <laughs> I personally give myself a little credit because yeah. I feel that I helped uh-huh. kind of bring her along to figure out the beach game. There's a couple other, the Tiana Hallams played... She was a player of the year, I think, for Kamehameha in high school. Mm-hmm. She went off and played indoor at Gonzaga. And she came back in the summers and wanted to learn how to play beach. And bummer for her, she ended up going to Utah this year, but COVID happened. Mm-hmm. So um, I was looking forward to watching her play her one graduate, her one season as a beach player. Another 
classic girl is Sarah Watanabe, as you know her yes. dad, Kurt, works with you at Pro. <laughs> yes. He's an ex-UH baseball great, but she um, she had quite a journey. She mm-hmm. Injuries, mm-hmm. a couple transferred schools. She'd gone to Long Beach as an indoor player, transferred to Arizona as an indoor player, and then she decided she wanted to play beach, and mm-hmm. she got a hold of me. Uh, her dad was, I was working with her dad at Pro. He was helping me with my what was it probably calf i would guess. my calf yes <laughs> so kurt and i hit it off and next thing you know sarah shows up at hunakai and she was another one who is always ready to go mm-hmm. um she she's finished with her eligibility now but she got to play a season at arizona mm-hmm. another one who's her parents both played at uh avery popinga her dad brian and her mom carrie mm-hmm. were both all americans at uh and they've since left Hawaii. They live in Texas now, but they come to Hawaii every every other summer. And Avery is now at Florida State, playing on their beach team there. So one summer she came. They they came as a family out here, and I got to work with her. And mm-hmm. it, it, it's just fun to follow these girls, these young women, and see where where their journey. You know, mm-hmm. back to the journeys, right? They yes. all have these journeys, injuries. <laughs> I hate the coach. I'm gonna transfer. <laughs> what am I gonna do? Um, but in all, it's all real po- positive mm-hmm. to just see them yes. become women. And it's funny now there's there's girls that I've trained that are getting married. I'm going to their weddings and they're having kids. And it's just the, that 10 years, it's uh-huh. 11 years has gone by so fast. And, you know, you start with them from like a Carly who I started with in high school. And um, now she's, yes. the last I talked to her, she was <laughs> trying to play pro. And mm-hmm. um, just watching them all, it's just real special. Another one, Jordan Nichols. She's at, she, was, she graduated from Kamehameha this past year. She played a ton of indoor, had an ankle injury, set her back a little bit, kind of came into the awakening, like, okay, I'm going to focus on beach. So I worked with her for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And now she's a freshman at Arizona, hoping that their season happens. Mm-hmm. I talked to her dad a couple days ago, and I know they're practicing mm-hmm. up in Tucson. So it's just really cool. Yeah. There, there's a girl, Sheena Yoshioka, plays at St. John. She's a libero. And she had come to me a little bit in high school years ago. And her mom reached out to me out of the blue uh, last summer, I guess. No, last Christmas break. Oh, we want to get her ready for her indoor as a libero. But, Mm -hmm. you know, we want to get touches. So again, Mm -hmm. that transition over to beach as a way to get touches. And now she wants to you know, I think play beach as a graduate student somewhere. Mm-hmm. She's got the bug, the bug. She's bitten by the bug. Yes. Um, just texted with her mom the other day. And, you know, her mom's telling me that she feels so confident. They're practicing in the gym. She's up at St. John's up in New York. Mm-hmm. They're getting back in the gym. And the training we did over the summer, you know, I, I think just has carried over. And mm-hmm. she's feeling real confident. So just there's a there's a list of them. It's been yes. really cool. Um Something that just came up, it's on my Instagram, Hunakai High. I got it. I'm on this email list, uh, this beach volleyball email list, and it was cool to see it was um, a men's collegiate tournament that they're going to have in Florida. I think it's in Florida. Okay. So that was cool to see because, like I said, I keep seeing all these women, these girls become women and watching them play. And there's definitely a handful of boys that I coached on the beach that have become great indoor college players mm-hmm. and they've gone on to play beach, but it'll be great to see these, be able to coach boys in that same capacity mm-hmm. where they have that opportunity to take it to the next level. Yes. So maybe this will evolve into a collegiate sport for men. I know there's the money issues, Title yep. IX. Yes. And now COVID is, COVID's gonna hurt the men's mm-hmm. side in volleyball in general, small sports, but yes. hopefully I'm wrong and hopefully that happens. But in hindsight, I think COVID is really gonna help girls beach volleyball continue to boom mm-hmm. outdoor mm-hmm. setting small group setting people are going to want to be outside more than inside yes. um i'm talk, talking to people in southern california a lot of coaches i know and same thing up there the summer it was booming you know as far as interest mm-hmm. and people wanting to play and yep. I, I hate to say it but i people might be more and more people may be closing the door in indoor volleyball mm-hmm. so we'll see how that plays yeah. out but it's interesting to hear all the stories too and you know like you said i mean i think the same goes for me to see them overcome something or work hard towards something and you see their success after that's that's the big reward to you know just help them 
with any way that they need to kind of elevate how they're performing. Yeah. Now, on that note, is there anything that you find really helps someone succeed in the transition from indoor to beach? Like, is there a certain, you need a certain personality, certain skill set, certain like, because, you know, a lot of people, I think, are hesitant to make that transition. Yes. They could be great indoor players, yes. but then not everyone wants to play beach. So yeah. is there something that you've seen that you kind of pull out of each player that makes them succeed or have that desire to play beach? Well, I think you made it brought up a really good point because there's a lot of guys mm-hmm. that I played against in indoor and you think you see them play and you go, God, this guy would be a really good beach player. And I've actually seen guys come out for maybe one tournament or one day of playing and they get spanked around, they lose, they have no success. It's very humbling. And, you know, these mm-hmm. guys are all Americans or all mm-hmm. state players. and mm-hmm. But just they don't want to, you know, they're a specialized, that position player that indoor has. They're mm-hmm. a setter and they don't want to pass or they're a, mm-hmm. they're a libero and they don't want to hit. They don't have the confidence. So I think it's a very humbling sport. Mm-hmm. And you really got to work hard mm-hmm. at beach volleyball. Again, you can, I think you can get away with a lot of things with with five other people on the court. Mm-hmm. You got your specialized positions. You have the bench. But if you're not willing to really sacrifice and get humbled and start at the bottom, even mm-hmm. though you're already at the top in the gym, yeah, then it's not going to work out so well for mm-hmm. you. What I really like to try to, uh, you know, the message I like to get across with two people, it's a real simple game. Mm-hmm. Indoor, a lot of power, a lot of, lot of, you know, overpowering, a lot of hitting, a lot of blocking, a lot of trickery. Mm-hmm. You got five, six people across the net you're trying to put the ball away on. Mm-hmm. There's lots of moving parts. Mm-hmm. Go to your spot, make your switches. Mm-hmm. You're playing this position. Beach is more just straight up bump set spike, mm-hmm. bump set shot. Just mm-hmm. move it around, keep it away, keep it in. Mm-hmm. Be smart, finesse. So... There's not a lot of X's and O's, but it's just discipline, Mm -hmm. being in the right spot, covering more court. If you're in the wrong spot, you're doing the wrong movement. You're, you know, you're, you're shooting yourself in the head. You're, you're not, it's, it's a different style. There's a lot of kids that come out to me again. They're, they're playing at a high level in indoor. They come out to me and sometimes I never see them again. They never come back. They sweat, they're like, this is hot, what are we doing? (laughs) Like, I'm getting sand, I don't don't hit, I'm a libero, I'm a setter. So it's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I I think it's that mentality again, like chip on the shoulder, like let's go, you know, Mm -hmm. let's get after it. I'm gonna get sandy, I'm gonna dive, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go through the wall, I'm ready to do what I gotta do. The ones that I think have that hard time getting over that hump i just try to tell them again hey it's simple game this Mm -hmm. is only going to help your indoor and oftentimes they start getting the hang of it and they they improve real quick Mm -hmm. i think initially it's hard Mm -hmm. like julio is a perfect example of that i mean she knew what she wanted so obviously she had a real reason for being there real purpose by playing for uh but she was an example of hey i gotta i gotta figure this out fast and within a few days Mm -hmm. a few sessions Mm-hmm. It's already kind of all happening, right? Mm-hmm. It clicks in. Oh, I was in the right spot. I had some success. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did this right. Success. Mm-hmm. So I think just relaying that, getting that message across. Yeah. Simple game, but you got to be disciplined. Yes. I think, and that's why it carries over to so many good beach players have high IQs that they carry into the gym mm-hmm. and makes them such a stronger indoor player. Yeah. I'm not trying to sound biased here, you know, but... It is what it is. You play with two people mm-hmm. on a harder surface. You're playing in the wind. You're playing in the sun. Mm-hmm. You, just you and your partner. You can't get subbed out. You got to yeah. do every. Yeah. You have to do every skill. You yes. can't. You, you have to pass. You have to say. You have to hit. You have to serve. So again, it just makes for a better, more complete player, mm-hmm. and that carries over. And a lot of times too in Hawaii, if you're tall in Hawaii, you're going to be thrown in as a middle blocker yep. in the gym. <laughs> yeah. So I get these kids that come to me and I go, let me get, you know, they're tall, right? Oh, let me guess, you're a middle blocker. You never pass. Yep. So they have no confidence passing. But mm-hmm. they take it to the next level. They go to the main line and sign up for, or they make a college team. Guess what? On the main line, they're not tall anymore. Yes. So they, if they don't have those skills and they're playing middle blocker the whole time, they go up to the main line. It's like, okay, you're in. You're going to have to pass now. You're going to yeah. have to serve. Oh, I've never done that before. I'm yeah. a middle blocker. I play the front row. 
I never pass, I never set. Mm -hmm. So that's a good one too, I think, is the fact that I get these kids that are so pigeonholed in their positions. Mm -hmm. So with that extra training with me, I'm able to give them confidence in those other departments. So when it is time for them to jump into those those other positions, they have some confidence. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I can just see it happening, right? This kid from Hawaii is a little taller, middle blocker, flies up to Iowa <laughs> yeah. to be on the team, and then there's all these tall girls there, and they're like, okay, wait a second here, we're gonna, you're not a middle anymore. And you know, the, I can just imagine the look on their face. Yeah. Right? Their jo- <laughs> wait, I'm gonna play outside hitter and I have to pass? Yeah. I'm gonna be a setter? So. I'd like to really emphasize that with the kids. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this is going to make you a better player. Yeah. Even next year, you're going to go out for your school team. The setter's graduating. You got a set now. Hey, you did a little setting at Hunakai. Yes. You may have some confidence for that. Yeah, it makes them a more well-rounded player because, exactly. like you said, they have to learn all it, the skills and everything. And the confidence on the beach too, mm-hmm. right? That just makes your confidence so much higher where mm-hmm. you jump into the gym and it's like, hey, I can do this. You yes. know, this is easy. Yes. It's like ice skating in here. <laughs> yes. So, yes. On that note, to sum it up, if people are looking to, you know, train with you, and yes. stuff, what is one, I guess, piece of information that you could pass on to the younger generation when it comes to volleyball or just trying to gain success in whatever sport they're playing, right? What is one thing that you can pass on or that you want to share? I think just back to that journey again, man. (laughs) I think it's just so important, just the challenges. Mm -hmm. Um, Just be ready. Yes. You know, you're going to, you're going to, again, you're going to come across coaches you don't like. You're going to come across teammates you don't like. You're going to get cut from teams. You're going to, not travel you're gonna not play the position you want to play you know you just got to be ready to take it all on it's Mm -hmm. gonna all happen yeah for better for worse and when it does fall into place that's so much more rewarding more yeah more rewarding more prepared and everything yes and i I, it's great just again back to my family and it's been really cool to see all these people in my family and just to be a part of that that volleyball world, I'm, I guess you can say I'm kind of spoiled because I've had all that to kind of help guide me along. Mm-hmm. So hopefully I can kind of pass along some of that family mm-hmm. knowledge I've learned that just kind of comes naturally onto these non-family people that I'm working with. But, mm-hmm. you know, it all comes back to family or <laughs> Ohana, right? Yeah, yes. <laughs> so, you know, I just, these these kids who become adults, it's it's just so cool to see and Yes. you know help them with that journey and that's the other thing I like about my business is I'm always going to be at Hunakai I'm not going anywhere right like yeah. you play on a high school team maybe at most you'll have a coach for four years mm-hmm. play on a college team at most you know I hear Copono talking how he's like playing in Italy last year and then who knows where his next stop's going to be mm-hmm. and you hear about these guys from country to country and town to town and school to school mm-hmm. um, but it's fun to see, you know, a kid come to me in eighth grade and they still can come to me when they're adults. Yes. Right. So that's another special part of, I think what I'm doing, um, the lifestyle, the, the, um, you know, the, the exercise, Mm -hmm. just life better shape Mm -hmm. mentally, physically. Yes. Um, just that kind of whole package. Yes. You know, I'm not, I'm not out there cutting people and I'm not, I don't yell. I don't like to yell. I mean, I do yell sometimes, but I'm not in a place to like, you know, be like your typical stereotypical coach Mm -hmm. yelling and you're cut, you're out of here. So, you know, they always kind of find their way back. Mm -hmm. Like I won't see somebody for a year and then ping, I'll get a call. Hey, Lika, remember us from 2013? (laughs) We're back in town. Love to work out again. So that that stuff is, Mm -hmm. I think, really cool as far as yeah just what, having what i'm doing having people constantly yeah you're you're part of you know your services and yeah. playing in that family atmosphere that that is huge especially in yeah. hawaii so for those that you know are interested in training or you know maybe even just contacting you with questions and stuff where yeah. can we find you uh, i have a website hunakaihai.com and i also have my instagram hunakaihai as a handle so easy to easy mm-hmm. to find on the internet and I'm right down at Hunakai Park here in Kahala you just yeah. Google Google map Hunakai Park yeah you pull up you'll see a guy who looks nothing like me 
because I wear a big hat and I wear shades and I wear a mask and I wear long sleeve. So it's great because I go to the mall and people don't recognize me. I can walk right by them. I'm in my, I call it my Clark Kent costume, right? Down at Hunakai, I'm in the Superman costume. Yeah. So, but uh, that's where I am. You know, this town, everybody knows each other, easy yeah. to find. So, And I will put all of that in the show notes, but I mean, we'll be sure to have another conversation in the future catch up a little bit but keep training all of the athletes and you know exciting to get back into everything especially as hopefully some of the restrictions start to get more lifted you know over time and then more people are going to want to play outdoors and play beach yeah. yes yes very but, very blessed and lucky and yeah it's it's been a great key word of the of the interview journey, journey. right yeah. yeah, yeah, but thanks so much for sharing your journey and thanks yeah. very much for joining us. I'll put everything in the show notes, but check out his website, check out some of the things on social media and it's always good to see how you're helping out the community and everything. But thanks so much again for joining us. Yes, thank you. Thank you.